yeah, I, I've always enjoyed a bit of a wind up. I think that's that's always been a thing. I like I don't I also like upsetting people. It's not like that. It's the style. It's a bit abrasive. It's definitely it's different. I mean, whether that's good or not, but hopefully it has a bit of staying power. Hello, beautiful people. You're listening to Photo Country, and I'm your host Rajiv. I have a very special guest for this episode. Tom Williamson, a photographer who follows in the footsteps of such legends like Irving Penn and Jurgen Teller. His photographs are in your face, provocative and goes against what is accepted in the mainstream. So, here is Mr. T Willis. Thanks Tom, thanks for finally coming on the show. So the stars have aligned. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> You said you were you were nervous about coming on the show. Why was yeah. that? Why the nervousness? Oh, I don't know. I'm just a bit of an anxious guy. I always get a bit of um, butterflies before a shoot too. They, after like four years, they still haven't gone away. So yeah, no, I get a bit. And plus, I, to be honest, I haven't really had someone sit down and actually ask me in this sort of setting, "What's up? Like, what with, about the photography?" So this is new to me. I'm excited <laughs> though. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good nervous. It's a good nervous. Okay, sounds good. Right, so let's go back to uh, the beginning. How did you get into the uh, visual arts field? Okay, so I went to Auckland Uni and I was doing a BA and I did ancient Egyptian history and I loved that. Really did love it. And then one of my mates, I was pitching to him about the lack of screen production papers available. And I, what I hadn't realized was that they actually separate screen production and media at, at Auckland Uni. So here I was thinking they're only offering media, but I hadn't actually realized that there's a whole different department for screen production. So long story short, I thought, well, I love history, but what I truly want to do is um, work in the visual arts because I love telling stories, clearly. So yeah, long story short, went and did uh, screen production, double major with media which was uh, screenwriting, screenwriting and uh, documentary. And the rest is history. But in terms of photography, I picked up a 60D in maybe six or seven years ago, probably now. You have to tell the dodgy story of yeah, yeah, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So I bought it off trade me. So obviously you think it's all above board. It, it may very well be. But the guy, he turned up. He looked a little bit suspect. He opened his boot. And he said, do, do, do you want it? Like, you want cash? And I thought, oh, yeah. But no, it was, it was quite funny. I, I do wonder to this day whether it was off the back of a truck or something. I didn't feel too comfortable <laughs> about taking he, it. Did, but... Yeah, did he look like he knew what was... It was no, that, that's the thing. He's, he's got this... It was, a, it was a kit lens, and I remember the bag it was in. The kit lens didn't actually fit in the bag. And it, just the whole thing, I'm like, so asking him about the gear, and he couldn't really name it was just the camera so i i he clearly didn't have the knowledge but yes yeah, so i still i still don't know what's with that yeah i'm scared to sell it it hasn't been used for about four years i think or maybe maybe longer actually three four okay. years probably but i'm scared i don't want to have someone knocking at my door so what did you do with that camera what did what did you shoot first yeah oh god so i originally i i just picked it up because i i wanted to shoot many documentaries like i have been at uni for uh, little papers and so on we did one on um, abortion and i can't remember what the other one was but i loved interfacing with people and talking them talking to them about 
uh, various issues and interviewing them for that. So I thought, hey, I'll pick up a cheap DSLR and try to do that. Of course, when I bought it, I realized that it wasn't really ideal for video. Um, it was more obviously more of a camera. So I, I think my mate, Callan, we, we were just talking one day and we were just, I was showing her Irving Penn's work. Um, his macro shots of lips and well, his macro shots in general are incredible with cigarettes and little cigarette butts and so on. And um, we were like, hey, we could do that. Yeah, that's how that's what kicked it off. And I, I, I did this very vaginal shot of her lips, which I think you, m- you must have seen. And that's that's that got quite positive feedback. I didn't really expect to I just put it out there and people really liked it. I think it was quite provocative, I guess. And, and yeah, it's from there, it's just spiraled to where I'm at now. And I still don't quite know how I got here, really. Right. So do you consider yourself a provocateur? Do you like provoking people into yeah some kind of a, yeah. like a guttural reaction? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed a bit of a wind-up. I think that's that's always been the thing. I, like, I don't, I don't want to say I like upsetting people. It's not like that. It's the style. It's a bit abrasive. It's definitely, I'd like, I'd hope to think it's different. I mean, whether that's good or not, but hopefully it has a bit of staying power than just your average nude or landscape, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I do, I do enjoy, I do enjoy the reaction, whether it's good or bad, because I'll say I've had, when it comes with the territory, I've had some rather interesting reactions, so to speak. On, on, it's not on Instagram. I always have good feedback when my friends or People have seen my page or they've seen my... But it's funny when you post it to different forums and they have different views on nudes or that that kind of work and how, how what kind of feedback you get. I've had some very funny stuff. It's, it's quite... Enjoy- I, I actually get a bit of a buzz off of the really negative feedback. It's Not that it's not invalid, but it's, just, uh, it's quite funny. What, what's, the, what's the most uh, extreme or the most funniest reactions that you've had for your oh work? Oh, God. I, I, I think when I posted some stuff to Reddit, because I'll, I'll actually just preface this with, I don't really, I've had this, I've gone on this like hiatus of posting on social media, really, because, I mean, I'm not trying to post highly explicit stuff, because that's not, that's not what I do at all anyway, but I keep getting things deleted off and so I've, I've really been going okay what am I trying to express here and there have been a few sort of interesting experiences with models that have really taken stock of I'm like am I still enjoying doing this or and I've gone down a different avenue for a little while I was up I hit my head managed to get a concussion and I spent a couple of weeks up at our place up at Parkery and I was just photographing the landscape and that was really cathartic it was nice it was fresh it was it wasn't something that i'd really i've never really I, I there's there's definitely a skill in landscape photography but it's never really grabbed me and no i just really appreciated switching it up but to the question about funny reactions yeah i've just had i've had a bit of abuse in the inbox and some very funny very funny i couldn't i couldn't tell you verbatim but yeah i i for the last time i posted to reddit for instance because they've, they've got a specialist or a sub where you can post all your analog work but it's quite funny when a, a nude pops up whenever someone po- pops something um or posts something even just slightly bit titillating we'll say there's a there's a heated debate but it's healthy about what the art being subjective and yeah it's always quite funny to 
read and get amongst, really. Yeah. So, you're talking about you know, Instagram deleting some of your work. Mm. So, a lot. I've seen a lot of work on Instagram which is bordering on vulgarity, but uh, that doesn't get deleted, right? No, and it is very frustrating. Like, I look, and that's the thing, like, people put a lot of stock in it. It's so easy to take a photo, upload, and then you're sharing it with thousands of people. So, People forget that there are other avenues to show your work or and so on, but it's it's frustrating. I mean, it is in a way it is censorship, but it's all I guess it's relative. It's frustrating seeing some big, big accounts like Playboy or more explicit work, not necessarily pornographic, but definitely breaking the rules. And just because they're a bigger page and they obviously draw more eyes, thus more advertising revenue, I sit there right. and I go, hey. <laughs> You're taking down uh, mine or a friend of mine or one of my favorite photographers, for instance. People are constantly getting their accounts deleted. So it is it is frustrating because you, you can see the sort of double standards. It's always yeah. the little guy that sort of loses out. So I think it's really important to find other ways of sharing your work or a physical form being... So it's better to have your own platform? So have you thought yeah. about having your own platform to you know to display your photographs rather than being on someone else's platform and being oh. controlled by their terms? Absolutely. I had I had a website. I <laughs> I didn't pay the bill, so I, <laughs> I lost it. But I've been working on a zine for a long time now. I'm kind of like I'm very critical of my work, as I think a lot of artists are. So I generally reach the near conclusion of the zine which is a lot of documentary work from shoots i've done but at the downtime or the quiet time maybe changing roles on a different camera or changing setups and so on i've taken some documentary photos of the subjects and the models and there's a bit of a sort of drug underworld in auckland and so on and i've slowly been piecing this together and talking about it for years and every time i get close to finish i go actually i don't really this doesn't speak to me or you know, I don't really feel it in its current form and I can't release it. So I, into the bin it goes and I start <laughs> again. So it's, it's the never-ending zine, really. But I, I'm a big fan of Kieran, who you spoke with. He's printed me some very, very nice prints in the darkroom recently. And I've been selling, actually, darkroom prints for a little while now. Finally, I, I, originally I was kind of, I was, it was exciting, but I was nervous actually putting, assigning like a, to my work i didn't know what to sell it for i didn't know that people would buy it but there was interest and i've sold quite a few and it's awesome to see people sending me photos of uh framed tom williamson shot on the wall it's that's awesome yeah, <laughs> yeah it yeah. just took me a while but yeah yeah basically in terms of other avenues i definitely got to sort my website but mainly what i'm interested in is the physical there's nothing like holding your work in your hand hand printed yeah are you yeah. Uh, displayed at the gallery or something like that right now no no i'd love to do that i feel i feel like we talked about the workers <laughs> it's rather niche so i have i have very different reactions and some people i'm sure if i approach the gallery well i'm hesitant so i don't want to deal with the rejection the work i feel is a bit more controversial you have people who love it i have a lot of people who very much love it to my surprise mm-hmm. I have a lot of people who very much don't. So I, I don't know I, I, if, if a gallery would take a risk. That's one thing, though. A lot of what's on my Instagram is what sort of just gets the numbers and it just gets the eyes. 
I do a lot more documentary, but I have been trying to save for the physical print and the zine, keeping it to my. So I feel there's like judgments made, not, not necessarily in a bad way, but if you look at my feed, it's like, this is all it is, but there's a lot more I do. So actually, maybe, hopefully one day, a gallery would be lovely, man. <laughs> I would love that. How did you get into film photography? How did that happen? So before I picked up a camera, I'd, I've been a big fan of a number of artists like Helmut Newton, Nobuyashi Araki, Daido Moriyama, some incredible all-time great Japanese photographers. Definitely check that out if you're listening. Irving Penn, as I said, uh, Guy Borden, all these larger-than-life sort of legends. I've always been a big fan. And I was looking at the 90s Mavericks like Terry Richardson and so on, and I looked at this sort of snapshot aesthetic, and there was something so grungy and grimy about the look of the film. I don't know what else to call it, the snapshot aesthetic. They, they all, all those guys like Terry Richardson and so on, their, their actual commissioned work is incredible at stages. But they're really well known for their snapshot aesthetic. And I looked and I was like, I could do that. Maybe not on that level, but, you know, I could I, I could pick up a camera and just start snapping away. So that's basically what happened, but it was the aesthetic for me. That's always, I, lo- I just love that grungy texture, the the way the, the flash sort of looks on in a darker space. There's like a warm, like a golden bath, I feel, especially with Jürgen Teller, um, who's one of my, one of my favourites. So... That just drew it. That was that was it for me. I know there's a lot of pretentious talk about like film being superior and so on, and I think it's more like an artist using a different brush or oil paint versus acrylic and so on. And just aesthetically, it's always spoken to me. And that's I've loved the the process as well, a hundred percent. There's something. There's nothing like loading the camera and all that, taking the photo, developing it, and then printing it later on. Right. So, but yeah, mainly the aesthetic. I've always loved that. Looking at your the work that you actually put out, it seems to me that unlike taking a still life or landscape where you're not actually interacting with the, the environment, like you're just capturing as it is, right? So yeah. But this is not like that, right? So it's it's very interactive, and it really depends on the artist as well who is actually performing in that space for mm. the camera so how does that work well so my process is i'll generally if someone hits me up and i feel like we could work together or we hit it off because there's some real characters out there we'll talk about what we're both interested in in terms of aesthetic or theme or concept um or i'll say hey i've been wanting to do this are you interested in doing this and so on. we just go back and forward we'll maybe mood board so we can actually visualize what we both like or what we're both interested in achieving it is it's like a dance it's like a collaboration effectively and that's how i like it to be because on both sides i've taken paid work in the past and i've pretty much stopped that because it changes the feel i feel like i need to perform for someone else i I love the idea of just not involving money now well i'll take it as it comes but generally no commission work and just collaborating in both hey, what about this? Should we try this? And so on. And so we come away really happy, I think, in that sort of 
the goal, just collaborate. Your post-production work, how does that work? Do you do a lot of darkroom? In terms of post, well, another thing that drew me to film was the fact that you don't actually have to do much. <laughs> you get it developed. I developed black and white, which is really easy to do. Color is slight but harder because it's the temperatures involved and the extra chemicals. So I just send that to the lab and they scan it. It's really cheap. And I don't have to deal with the post. I mean, because that brief time I was shooting digital, having to try pick between 300 photos or whatever you've taken because you're just going da, 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 just rapid fire and some of them are so similar it was a pain and then you have to edit them and look some people love that but i like the idea that i know what a film looks like what type of film portrait kodak gold etc i know how they can look in certain light how soft they'll be or sharp or contrasty and i go okay that's what i need and then Take the photo, send it to the lab, no post-production required. <laughs> but the darkroom is obviously a different story completely. It's like a manual Photoshop, really. So Right. So what about your other work that people have not seen? What kind of documentary work do you do? What excites you? Just before lockdown, I was actually managing to get out into Queen Street and just shoot passers-by and so on. Some people get quite excited and they, hey, you're shooting, take my photo and so on. Other people are very suspicious because it's, you see these New York legends and they, I've seen footage of Bruce Gilden and so on, just walks straight up to someone and puts the flash in their face and bam, and, and the person's not even phased. It must be a New York thing because over here, I think people are a lot more suspicious. But I look, I love street work and that's something I've wanted to build confidence in because... That, that was a Iraqi and Moriyama, who I mentioned before, they did a lot of street work and that always spoke to me. A punchy black and white film. There's just something about that texture and just uh, a big fan. So it's largely street. I'm doing this series called Slow Death in the West and it's coinciding with Land of the Long Black Cloud. I'm just documenting this sort of underbelly of New Zealand, really. Drugs, alcohol, drugs especially. Given the nature of the work I shoot, I interact with a lot of sex workers, and I've met some absolutely incredible people through that who have actually become quite good friends. So there, yeah, it's, it's a lot of characters out there. Like I say, a lot of a lot of the it's not necessarily staged, but say during a setup change or something, I'll just knock off a few shots of pensive the model just checking her phone or something, and there's there's that's just really excited me. Something about documentary as opposed to staging something or telling someone to pose in a certain way or look a certain way. I, I don't know. It's 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 something I'm far more interested in pursuing now, having had such a long break with COVID. And then I had a five week five weeks off um, due to a concussion. Went back on the Monday and then obviously locked down on the Tuesday. So I haven't. I hadn't shot for a long time and I've just been taking stock and what I wanted to shoot. So let's talk about your style and yeah. the whole process of finding your style. Did it just like that click for you or was it a, a slow gradual process? I think a bit of both. I originally, when I started shooting a film, it was just before the resurgence. So I reckon that might have been early 2017. I feel that's, that's when it was very late 2016 around then and you could get fuji c200 
for like uh, $4.50 a roll. So you buy them 10 packs from China. And that was the cheapest consumer film. And there was something so grimy and yuck about it. And the way it reacted to skin tones, it was kind of reddish, kind of pinkish. And it just looked, it looked quite yuck. And I always, I loved that. It was great for the price. I was shooting a lot of that. I really liked the grimy look. And so I lent fully into that. And that's always stuck with me. I've always, like I say, I really liked Jürgen Teller's work. His, his stuff's a lot more warm because he, I think he used contacts gear, which has a certain golden bath look to it. With the, they've got a certain temperature in the flash, I think. And that's it's like a signature style. But I liked a bit cooler and yeah, it, it just comes across as a lot grimier. And I just fully lent into that because I quite liked how abrasive and uh, the texture and it wasn't, it's not ugly, but it's definitely not pretty. I've always liked that. I don't know if I'm making a statement on that or it's just to me, this aesthetically. So would you call it beautifully ugly? (laughs) We could call it that. I'll call it that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to make some like big grandiose statement. To me, not that it's beautiful, but it's different. It feels a bit edgier. It feels a bit fresher to me there's a lot of skill involved it's not i'm not talking about the skill but those ultra clean very sterile i see a lot of that i probably couldn't take a photo like that in my life but it doesn't it doesn't stick with me i like dirty but yeah a very dirty he shot it's got to be textured and just grimy yeah yeah sometimes it's so perfect it doesn't have life it feels very contrived because it's it's so perfect. Really. I mean, philosophically, you can never attain perfection, right? So oh. it's the pursuit of perfection that's humanity. So I guess art should reflect that, right? I mean, uh, be perfect. It should be imperfect as well. That's what I feel. Oh, look, I absolutely agree. I, like, I've got a film student background and it does pain me. I sound like a bit of a pretentious douche, but all the Hollywood films are now shot digitally and it's very... If you look at, like, say, Netflix, they have certain requirements for when they buy shows, I think, or they produce shows. And they all look very similar to me now. Of course, they're different, but they're, they're very sterile. And a lot, the, I think a lot to do is with the bitrate and being able to stream it and it's still being sharp. But it, it is painful when just film is so beautiful. God, Paul Thomas Anderson still shoots his work on that film and there's something... I love getting lost in, in that, those worlds, really. It's the visual aesthetic is just, it just digital to me, just just can't compete. We have to apply grain over it to make it look. Yeah, they do that. They do that, don't they? They, they whack, a, whack an old negative filter over it, yeah. So it's, and, and add that dynamic grain so it looks like it's not just a filter. So what about if I am looking to find my own style? Sure. What would be your advice? Wow. For me, shooting film, as I said, I looked at Terry Richardson and Jürgen Teller, even Helmut. You wouldn't be able to replicate that. I, I, I thought, okay, well, I'll just get the point and shoot. I'll get some grimy film. And then it built from there. And I said, okay, well, Portra 400 looks a lot sharper. It's got a lot more contrast. I don't know if I like that contrast. I like the more washed out more earthy tones of Fuji Color 200. It was all trial and error, but I think it was driven by looking at 
people who really inspired me and going, how can I do that? But filter it through my own, you want to find your own style. And <laughs> even though I was looking at other people, I didn't want to be like, okay, Terry shoots like this. Like, I'm just going to do that. I wanted to add a bit of my own. I wanted to add a bit of humor to a lot of my work. Well, my early work was, it was it, feel, it feels a lot more fun. I'm constantly not changing my style, but tweaking it. If something inspires me, I'm like, I really like it. How could I take that and rework it in song? Because like, to be honest, like, we all steal. You know, <laughs> and it's just it's about hiding your hiding who you've stolen from, I guess. So. I guess as an artist, you start off like that, right? And then you find your own twist to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what if I do this? Or what if yeah. I do that? And eventually, you really like something, you don't like something. So uh, I think it's all about trial and error. Right. So who would be some of the contemporary photographers that you you would recommend? Like maybe the top three or top five? Oh, well, okay. It's always changing. I can't really say like an order. But Jürgen Teller, he's this German guy. And there is so much humor and fun in his work. And he is also, well, he's a provocateur. He, he shot, I don't know if you saw it, it kind of went viral he shot a lot of the oscar nominees last year but obviously quarantine so they had it must have been a socially distance shoot outside a hollywood lot and they were just leaning on uh priuses standing next to a tree and people were livid about about it it's lazy it's boring there's no production value and i think because they're so used to these extravagant vogue covers and real extra yeah production shoots and i i I just love that he's changed his style has changed hugely but he's always retained a sense of humor and this sort of casualness and he's one of the few people who i enjoy his celebrity work so i don't really like personally i don't really like looking at celebrity portraits it does nothing (laughs) <laughs> for me but this guy he he's able to inject his personality into it and it just seems effortless and he shot a lot of celebrities like charlotte rampling who's an incredible actress shot her for 20 30 years and it's incredible to see the progression helmut newton is dead so i guess that doesn't count but jürgen teller ryan mcginley i quite like mcginley's work i really love kieran's work. i've always loved his work portraits especially because it's quite different this incredible artist out there, but he's built a very authentic style, I think, with his large format portrait work. So yeah, I'm a big fan of his He's a great guy too. Lovely guy. I guess, can I say big artist? Like, Iraqi again? <laughs> can I say that? I'm a huge fan of his work. He's done a lot of provocative work over the years. Same with Moriyama. There's, there's just something about the Japanese. It's not necessarily uniform, but they use a lot of punchy black and white textured it looks like it's been printed and then messed with more manipulated further just beautiful work and it's it's just got such staying power to me yeah yeah i i love this the dog right that's what i mean just the way that the dog looks at you yes. like, what the hell are you looking at me yeah yeah it's so mangy and it's that sticks with me hey eh? yeah. those are the kind of images i just absolutely adore just yeah, in fact, like after after I saw his work, like I, I really want to go to Shinjuku and see that place. Yeah, honestly, the way the way he paints the city, and same with Iraqi, actually, I've got a number of his books, and it's 
his work, but their street work of Tokyo was just just incredible. There's nothing like it. But actually, talking about contemporary photographers, Bruce Gilden, I don't know if you've seen his work, but he is infamous for using an incredibly bright speed light on unsuspecting uh, <laughs> people on the street. So he's he's always been quite controversial because some people don't appreciate the idea of, I guess, photographing in a public space and how he's a very abrasive New Yorker. He's very in your face. He's got <laughs> big balls to actually do that. Just He'll jump out, pop the flash off. So he, uh, in a way, I guess actually it's another provocateur to add to the list. <laughs> He's contemporary. He right. did he did some incredible work in Japan as well, which I'd highly recommend, as well as I think it was Ukraine. But he went to, he spent some time with some just released inmates in the okay. Eastern European country and yeah, definitely one of my favorites of all time. So if someone wants to reach you and see your work, you've got a number of handles which is a handle hey. that someone has to go and see. Yeah, you've got to have the backup of the backup of the backup. I would just, I'd just go to MRT Willis. Hit me on Instagram, at Mr. T. Willis. That's directly, you'll be able to get me and check out some work. Website at some point, but beyond that, I'll be offering prints and so on again. One final question. Sometimes when you have a particular, really distinct style, like mm. you have, the kind of provocative in your face abrasive photographs that you do sometimes you get trapped by that style because you're perceived like that you attained maybe infamy or famousness or whatever you want to call it you get trapped by it have you felt yeah, that way absolutely and that's something i'm constantly grappling with because like i say what you see on the instagram is what does well it's sometimes i'll feel like sharing something a little different i'll probably delete it a little later yeah, it's, it is like being trapped or confined. I'll reach out to someone to work with them, which I don't really do anymore because, I again, like what you see on the Instagram, there's going to be an assumption that that's all I shoot. So I don't really reach out to people. But, yeah, you kind of get you kind of get pigeonholed, I guess. And I've really struggled with, is this legitimate as a form of photography? Like, can I call myself a photographer if I'm shooting nudes or... I mean, I, I know I shoot a whole wealth of stuff. Yeah, you you do get boxed in, and I don't quite know. There's there's expectations as well. I feel I don't go to a shoot and say I'm going to shoot this. It's going to be great for Instagram. There's not that at least consciously, but I do think there are expectations. You go to my page. This is what you're going to see. You follow my work. This is what you're going to see. So when you do, I I guess. That's thrown me a bit because, yeah, it, it's it's something constantly grappling with. I don't really know how to break that. I guess that's the trap these platforms trap you in. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I've gone through this this same kind of shooting for the feet kind of a thing. I've been guilty mm. of that. But finally, I said, I said like, screw this. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But you know what's really interesting? And I was actually talking to uh, a mate the other day about it. A lot of legitimate artists who serious artists they're not there posting for the gram their post you can tell it's it's just what they want to share with the world i think it's easy to get stuck in crowd pleasers because it's pretty obvious that nudes or provoke like work titillating work like this it's a crowd please or it does well so it's easy to get trapped as you say but it'll do well 
like I post that, but it's not necessarily something I want to share. So yeah, I'm constantly trying to readjust or, or take stock. And like I said, this whole COVID, I've really just sat back and said to myself, what do I actually want to say? Because I'm kind of tired of shooting a certain way. But in saying that, I really need to just put some new work out there, I think. The documentary stuff, because that's that's actually where I want to head, more documentary work. I love interfacing with people. I love hearing their story. I love taking photos. And to me, that that it's very cathartic, I think. For me, it's a creative outlet. But I love doing it. I love doing it. Thanks, Tom. Thanks a lot for coming on the show and talking to me. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Rajiv. You have a good one, mate. Thanks, Tom, for coming on the show. It was a really fascinating conversation that I had with you today. You can check out Tom's work on Instagram. His handle is mrtwillis. As always, thanks for listening in on this podcast. I appreciate each and everyone who's tuning in. You keep me going. I will meet you again next week with another fascinating conversation. Till then, stay safe and keep clicking.